the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Boy, do it before the end of the year if you can. Find out more from LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We trust them. We have faith in them. They've been a supporter of this show from day one, and we appreciate it. We also appreciate Dan Holloway. You may know him from the Drinkin' Bros podcast or from his own Citizen podcast. He's a guy who served, spent a lot of time in Iraq, uh, extremely well-educated in some interesting fields. You'll find out from him directly in a minute. And he really believes in the power of the individual and the power of courage and the power of saying no. He puts it a whole lot more colorfully than I do. So this one gets explicit. If you have kids around, you may want to put some earphones in. I'm just, just warning you there. But Dan Holloway and I talk about why the faith in the military, the trust, the confidence in the American military, once the one of the strongest pillars of our nation, is on the decline big time. It was 70% back in 2018. Now it's down to about 48% that Americans feel truly confident in our military. Why is that? Some interesting answers from Dan Holloway next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Dan Holloway, you're also listed as Daniel Holloway. Which do you prefer? Uh, Dan is fine. Okay, good to know. Good to Just know. For- we, we, we like to treat people as they'd like to be treated. And you I go said by in the intro <laughs> T Dog, right? Right. I'm now T Dog. Um, Does that make you D Dog? Uh, I don't know that I like the alliteration there, to be honest. It doesn't flow the same. I love that because I'm I I don't like the matchy matchy stuff, so I'm with you there. That's that's good. (laughs) D Dog is a little All right. So I I I've been on your citizen podcast. I was on Drinking Mm -hmm. Bros with you about a week last week. So I was trying to dig up more info about you. Like, what do I need to know about Dan Holloway besides these podcasts? And I found a very funny website that described you as, you know, he's tall in stature, six foot nothing. And, you know, it, the, the descriptions were, in spite of the fact that he is a well-rounded podcaster, he has managed to keep his private life very, it was one of these dopey kind of, websites that tries to bring out facts about people, but actually has mm. none. Yeah. It's like the so, celebrity net worth sites. They exactly. get everything wrong all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you had to nutshell your background, how would you do it? 
Uh, I grew up in South Carolina, played baseball uh, in high school. I had a really good time doing that. Thought about doing it in college, but I decided to go a different route. Um, so I went to, I, I've got multiple degrees. I've studied religion, computer tech, uh, security management, homeland security, and all this stuff. I've got a master's degree from Penn State in uh, international homeland security. Um, worked for DHS for a while. After I got out of the military, I was in the 82nd Airborne as an infantry man. And uh, spent about a year and a half in Iraq during the surge, primarily um, right around Sadr City. When I got out, again, I worked in private security for a while, worked for DHS for a while, and then I moved on to Black Rifle Coffee in the marketing department. Worked as a VP of marketing there for a while and transitioned into Drinking Bros. And uh, we, we started a media company after, and uh, here we are. And here we are. I mean, it's such an interesting path you've taken. What, what um, of all those things that you did, I would imagine a year and a half in Iraq would change a guy. What, what was, what was your greatest sort of, when you reflect on that time, your greatest takeaway from the time spent there and what you were doing? Um, you know, it's, that's a good question. Uh, the fragility of, of, of human beings and of society really came into focus for me because we, we were very, uh, <clears throat> very fortunate to live in a place that has a peaceful transfer of power every four years, because most places on earth are just not like that. Um, and for the most part, we can say and do whatever we want here, which is also nice. Um, but you know, there's, there's downsides to both of those things, uh, in, in a place where you're controlled all the time, you get used to being controlled and you know, you, you stop the, the creativity goes away, I guess, not just in the arts and stuff, but uh, in, in society at large, like you stop progressing as a society. And I, I think we, we've grown so comfortable here that we've almost done the same thing. You know, hmm. uh, uh, it's, I, I'm sure your listeners will remember the, Benjamin Franklin quote that I'm about to fuck up, but um, <laughs> people that sacrifice their liberty for temporary security deserve neither. Uh, I could have seen that coming. What I didn't see coming, I guess, was because we're in Iraq and, and they, uh, you know, just have no sense of individual liberty over there. And what I didn't see coming after that kind of experience was us sacrificing our individual liberty for convenience. You know what I mean? That That was the... That was the thing I guess that that spoke to me most that made me get involved in all this stuff was that people are kind of asleep at the wheel. You know what I mean? It's that part is 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 terrifying. And I think there are so many people, not only in the world, but in America, that sometimes it makes it feel confusing and big and complex. And, you know, I, I'd really like someone to just make my decisions for me. Mm -hmm. Um, for a lot of people, certainly not me, not you, but for a lot of people that just seems easier. Tell me where to go. Where do I line up? Where do I get the shot? Where, what do I do? Where do I sign? Where do I vote? Um, tell me what to do seems to be the easier part. And I, you mentioned something though. You say it's out of convenience that this is happening. What do you mean by that? <clears throat> I mean, it's uh, more difficult to go to do things for yourself, right? Uh, it's more difficult to drive to the store than it is to buy something on Amazon. It's more difficult yeah. to hunt 
and uh, uh, source your own food than it is to just buy it from a grocery store. It's it's all it's th- this is the 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 truth about human existence. Every time you every time you make something more convenient for yourself, you're surrendering part of your liberty. And sometimes it makes sense to do that to some degree, right? We can't societies progress and I don't think that we should all be homesteading and and you know keeping to ourselves all the time and not progressing society and stuff like that. I enjoy all the stuff that we have in America. I like technology, I like sports, you know, that I like entertainment and things like that. But you know, there's a it's the premise of my show citizen, I think is is what brings me back into focus here. It's you can you can be entitled and talk about your rights and in, uh, and I guess the analog to that in this statement is that you can enjoy all the things that are available to you. But if you don't act in a way that secures those things, then they become the master over you, right? So you're a subject and not a citizen any longer. That's the problem that I think that we're really facing today. Yeah, that, I think that is really well put. In the midst of all of this, you know, we've certainly, as America, come to rely on our military, of which you mm. once were a part, to protect the homeland, to keep us safe, to be tough and stand up to bullies. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And in this latest poll, this is something I tweeted about, and you actually reached out to me and said, I'd love to talk about this with you. So that's why we're talking today, uh, ultimately, but there's so much we could talk about. The Reagan Institute releases an annual survey of public attitudes on national defense. And this year, only 48% reported having, quote, a great deal of confidence in the U.S. military. Okay, that's down from 70% in 2018. Last year, it was 45%. This year, it's 48%. Just 2018, four years ago, it was 70%. What happened? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, TikTok is one of them, right? Um, there's a, it's, it's kind of a pervasive trend in uh, the current U.S. Armed Forces. They have all these little TikTok influencers that are it, – it's, it's very bizarre to me. I don't understand it. One, we know that TikTok isn't – Chinese software that's that's been entirely the data set is completely infiltrated by the Chinese government, the CCP. But aside from that, like I understand the idea of marketing, you want to meet people at the intersection of your product and their interest. The product here is service to your country. The interests are whatever 17 year olds are interested in these days, which is kind of crazy. But 
Uh, and it always is for the next generation. But, you know, I think we, I think it sends the wrong message. Like we're not trying to think of a good way to put this. Um, the goal shouldn't be to hit our numbers. The goal should be to recruit the right men and women to serve in these roles. Right. Um, because this is the ultimate meritocracy. You either win or you die. This isn't some fucking game that we're playing here. You know what I mean? And the U S military doesn't do much in the way of protecting the actual homeland anymore. For the most part, we do all this other ancillary nonsense, but even then like the ability to respond to things, um, to respond to, to existential threats is a, is a, obviously a big deal. And I think it's, um, I think it's super important and it's, you know, we're all the leadership primarily of the U S military is caught up in all this nonsense now. And I'm sure, and it's not new, by the way, it didn't just start in 2018. I think it just took that long for the media to catch up to it. It started okay. more like towards the end of the Obama administration is where it really started to go downhill. Um, in 2015, the secretary of the Navy, uh, I think his name was Mavis. Um, there was a Marine Corps study. This is when the gender integration into combat arms things were going on. It's 2015. Um, okay. <clears throat> the gender integrated combat formations were found during a long study to not move as quickly or shoot as accurately. Uh, that women in those roles were twice as likely to suffer combat injuries. And this is a huge report that was suppressed, right? And the Secretary of the Navy ultimately rejected the report because it didn't align with the politics at the time. But that's not how that's supposed to work, right? We we understand this uh, trust the science thing now, which is a complete obfuscation of reality. But uh, yeah. back back then it was like we were all really confused. Like, why is this not we, – we did – we you had the theory. We did the study. The study said this. But despite that, we're going to act – you know, in opposition to that because of politics. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It, does, it shouldn't make sense to anybody. I mean, I, I, I get so fed up with these studies that come out and they put these blue ribbon panels together, whoever they are, and they find one thing and they say, oh, that's really nice, but that, yeah, that's not going to work. And, mm -hmm. and you get, you go, huh? I mean, th th you've got the facts right in front of you. What are you, what are you doing? So, so what you're saying is they found this, this with gender integration into combat, they found these facts that made, you know, it, and actually it just, it just makes sense. Women were, have been newer to this, so they're not as bound to be, I don't know. I haven't looked at the study. I'm not going to comment and further and make myself look stupid because I do that easily enough. Uh, but then they just said, screw it, screw the study we're going to brush it under the rug and we're going to continue to go the way we want. Now, what, what you've said also is that the media is just catching up that this stuff started maybe close, closer to eight years ago, 10 years ago, and we're just catching on. How in the hell does politics get woven into the military, which should be the most apolitical institution on planet earth? Well, I mean, think about the the people that are in charge of the U.S. military. They're political appointees. They're not. It, it's not. Uh, uh, so when I was an, a specialist, an E four in the army, when I wanted to get promoted to sergeant, I had to go to a board of other military people, sergeants, major, and first sergeants, right? And uh, they test my proficiency to be 
uh, promoted into that role, which is a leadership position, but it doesn't work that way for officers. For officers, it's political appoint appointments, right? So uh, if you're a general officer to get moved from one billet to another, you have to be approved by Congress essentially, or by somebody that's in a political position. That's like that. It's part of civilian control of the military, which I understand. It's something that we did intentionally from the founding of this country, but uh, there, there might be a better way to do it than that. Or we could just, you know, I mean, think about it this way. Politicians, particularly Congress, who have to run for office every two years, uh, they can't afford to take any chances. So you become risk averse, but you can't be risk averse when it comes to the military. We take risks. No That's question. our job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, you it's whomever's in charge at the time. I talked earlier about peaceful transfers of power. That's uh, a good thing, but there's also inherent weaknesses in that, right? So it's hard to get an eight to 12 year plan done if you can only serve for four years. So um, <clears throat> because whoever the next guy or uh, woman who comes in could just change the plan. Yeah. And then you say, oh, that, that my predecessor failed. Well, I mean, you didn't really carry out their plan to fruition. So did they fail? It's hard to say. Um, yeah. But now it's, we've kind of leveled up now with the Biden administration. It's It's taken on a whole new level of uh, nonsense with particularly with critical race theory, I think is one of the things I, it's not the worst thing that's happening in my opinion, but it is the most obviously stupid. Um, so <coughs> excuse me, sorry. No, keep it, little, keep that thought, keep that thought, yep. quick break. And let's come back and talk with Dan Holloway about critical race theory in the military. And then there's another one too. And that has to do with pronouns right after this. And we want to thank our friends at Epic TV for sponsoring the show. Epic TV, wonderful, censorship-free video platform with original news programs like Crossroads, The Larry Elder Show, Facts Matter, American Thought Leaders, and documentaries investigating critical issues that are not, not covered anywhere else, because that goes on here in America, shockingly. So why do we trust the Epic Times? Well, they're unbiased. They report important news that other media ignore. They focus on clear, fact-based journalism without spin or hidden agendas. They're truthful. They report just the facts and trust their discerning viewers, that's all of you beautiful people, to arrive at your own conclusions. Imagine. They're resilient despite the attacks from many sides, defamation from other media, thugs burning their printing presses, uh-huh, and assaulting their journalists, uh-huh, the Epic Times continue to dedicate themselves to reporting the truth. So if you're looking for an unbiased, truthful, and resilient news source, check them out today. We have a special offer for all of you. Just sign up and start watching. No credit card required, no strings attached. If you decided to subscribe within 14 days, it's just $1 for two months. That is a deal. So ready? Go to watchepic.com slash sideline. Watchepic.com slash sideline and subscribe. That's watchepoch.com slash sideline. Go get this deal. It's a really amazing news and journalism source, and I highly recommend it. And we thank Epic Times for sponsoring the show. Okay. Critical race theory in the military. How, why, what in the hell? Uh, so 
the first um, <clears throat> I'm going to go through a series of of things that have happened here, and uh, and then I'll come back to that question. So the Biden administration's chief Na- of naval operations, Admiral uh, Michael Gilday, sometime last year in the middle of the year, added uh, how to be anti-racist to their to the preferred reading list. How to be anti-racist is Ibram X. Kendi, uh, who is a complete moron. And inside the book, um, you'll see quotes like capitalism is essentially racist. And to truly be anti-racist, you also have to be truly anti-capitalist, right? This is a preferred reading list for the Department of the Navy. I'm not sure how that benefits our armed services to believe that our economic system is racist and must be overthrown. That seems antithetical to good order and discipline. And it's definitely antithetical to basic human intelligence because what system other than capitalism has worked ever in in our history? Excuse me. And last year, uh, Lloyd Austin, who's the secretary of defense told uh, the house armed services committee that quote, we do not, teach critical race theory. We don't embrace critical race theory. And I think that's a spurious conversation. Now that's an obvious lie. And I'm going to show you a couple of uh, pieces of evidence to that effect. Um, But just to give you some context, this guy's the secretary of defense. Um, He said in 2020, I believe, uh, or sorry, it was 2021 that uh, the biggest existential threat to the U S military is climate change. Now, I would love to hear the rationale for that, to be honest, that that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life, but <laughs> let's push that aside from now. Okay. Um, okay. But you do have to, so, so his first act as secretary of defense was to order a one day stand down to reflect on extremism in the ranks, but, but despite the fact that there's no evidence that any of that exists. And I'll, I'll bring uh, that back to a point later. But you have to assume that that was a condition of employment, right, for the Biden administration. Like, uh, otherwise, why no, do you have nobody, to assume that? Because nobody in the position would ever think to do something like that. Okay. We're about re- we're about readiness ultimately in the military, being ready to go fight, not about people's feelings and shit like that. Okay. <clears throat> now back to the CRT point. Uh, last year, a senior officer in U.S. Space Force, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer was removed from command for publicly describing the role of critical race theory and indoctrinating service members at his installation. Now, this was a new uh, uh, command that was set up under the Secretary of Defense. So the idea that Lloyd Austin could then say that they're not teaching it is absolute nonsense when one of their top leaders just got fired for trying to do it. Uh, Then you, uh, I think the House Armed Services Committee published a report that showed at West Point, uh, I'm sorry, it was through FOIA requests, West Point, there's a there's a slide on a uh, training document at our the U.S. Army. Uh, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, West Point. This says, "quote In order to understand racial inequality and slavery, it is first necessary to address whiteness." Um, and then it's, there, there's a lecture inside of West Point called "Understanding Whiteness and White Rage and White Power at West Point." So. It seems to me the focus is a bit off. And when you see uh, a secretary of defense that's this delusional, suggesting that white supremacy in the military and climate change are existential threats, I mean, what could you expect from the force at large? So when you see these people, these kids on TikTok or whatever the hell, and then lower level commands buying into this stuff, it should be no surprise when the person that's at the very top of the food, food chain there is a complete imbecile. You know, and it, yeah. <laughs> 
there's it's it's very hard to dispute anything that you're saying. It's very hard to say, oh, but he's not an imbecile when this is what he is bringing to the table. We have showed a couple times on this podcast the video footage from the Navy of these two people. I don't know what rank they are because I can't recall, but they're talking about pronouns and misgendering. And this is a Navy produced video. I'm sure you've you've seen it, right? Yep. Okay. I I am flabbergasted by this. Now, is this the stuff that people are going, holy crap, how can I trust the military as an institution when they're prioritizing <coughs> pronouns and climate change rather than protecting the country and being ready for whatever comes our way? And I still hear people say we still have the strongest military on planet Earth. First of all, do you believe that? Is that a fair statement? Uh, I mean, it depends on what you mean. If an actual war broke out, the right people would show up to fight it. So okay. uh, in a way, yes. And okay. keep in mind, there's there's about uh, – there's probably about 100 to 150,000 people like me just walking around in America that can come back and fight whenever. So uh, okay. I'm, not too, I'm not terribly concerned about any kind of domestic invasion or anything like that. I guess I'll say that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> But in yeah. terms of uh, readiness and in terms of the equipment that we have and the training and all of the things mm. that you need to go fight even somewhere else, where do we rank these days in, in uh, the context of the world? Yeah, that's a good question. So <clears throat> think about – you. I'm sure you've seen the Marine Corps uh, television ads over the years. Yeah. And it's mostly about – it's not about, hey, you need to come join us. We need help. It's like, hey, you're lucky to be here. Yeah. This is the, this is where we take it seriously. And, and, you know, um, <clears throat> when you dismantle that idea that it's about service and it's about struggle and it's about sacrifice, then the people who show up to sign up for the military are the ones just looking for the benefits. You know what I mean? And that's kind of indicative of where our culture is today, particularly the, the younger generations. They're, they're very uh, expectant of reward despite not putting in any effort, which is hugely problematic, right? It, just yes. not even in, in society at large, but even in your own personal life. If you don't mm -hmm. at a very early age associate risk and effort with reward instead associating uh, uh, your position with reward, that becomes a big problem for you throughout your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not just Lloyd Austin, by the way. I wanted to add to that. Uh, there's Mark Milley, who's the uh, the the Joint Chief. Um, he's probably the most incompetent Joint Chief we've ever had, if I had to guess. Uh, if you haven't heard the name, he's the guy who lied to the Afghan president about us bailing on Bagram Air Base. That phone call is available now. The transcript is uh, a decision that eventually led to the fall of Kabul. And the death of 13 U.S. service members during the evacuation was a complete clusterfuck. Uh, this guy's defended teaching CRT at U.S. service academies and even testified to Congress about his desire to, quote, understand white rage, whatever the hell that means. Uh, this is a former special forces operator. Um, <clears throat> he argued that American taxpayer money should be spent to ensure cadets and midshipmen learn what, quote, caused thousands of people to assault the Capitol building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States. I don't know what that has to do with white rage to be honest. Um, and then the Biden, Biden administration is um, choosing to focus on and fund the study of racial extremism, even when uh, there, there's a study you can that the House Armed Services Committee put out 
uh, earlier this year, I think in June of this year, that shows it's virtually a non-issue in the military. It's like 0. 0.0005 cases per 20,000 service members, which is like 25 incidents total for the entire U.S. military. That's nonsense. If you can get like 2% of every group of people are assholes. That's a, yeah. that's a, uh, I think that's a good metric to use. And if you're well yeah. under 2%, that's, that's, you're doing pretty good there, especially when you're 0. 0.005. Um, now the truly stupid thing about this is that the U S military is already the most diverse fighting force in the history of human humanity. No, no one else has ever come close to this. There's never been a melting pot country like us in the first place. And certainly not one during a time where standing armies are the norm, where essentially every ethnicity, religion, race, even nationality is represented in, in our, in our military. <clears throat> so it, it is, um, it is very frustrating and problematic that this is going on, but I think it's also our hope because we are proof, not just for militaries, but for larger groups that greater purpose erodes the tribalism being forced down our throats by the media and the political class in this country. We we've done it. We have a proof of concept, right. That started sometime around world war two and it's carried up until now. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> we would call this in sociology, Ken selection, right? So the idea that you decide who's going to be part of your family. And I mm -hmm. think this is what makes, uh, the American warfighter, particularly uh, notable throughout all of human history, the American warfighter quite simply fights for their family, right? And the difference between the American warfighter and other assembled armies in the past is that they consider all human beings committed to liberty to be their family, regardless of what they believe, who they love, what they look like, or even where they were born. And a lot of, I have many, many friends who are not U.S born that served in the military, right? Mm -hmm. um, they fight against oppression. The special forces motto is liberate the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And they fight because they know a threat to liberty anywhere is a threat to liberty everywhere. And they fight for each other because they know in a way that most people will never understand that we as human beings can't do any of this stuff alone, right? And it takes the, the most important diversity is diversity of thought. Yes, because we've seen when when you strip away all these other demographic issues, it doesn't really matter as long as we're all pulling on the same side of the rope. Mm -hmm. It's so important and it makes me it leads me to my final question, which will get you to answer after this next break, which is why? Why would these guys, Millie and company, Biden, why would they want to focus on these absurd terms that are doing so much disservice that are really breaking down institutions and, and, and causing this mistrust and lack of faith. I want, I want to get to why this is happening. We'll do that with Dan Holloway after this. Oh my goodness. It, it's, we've seen the economy go through so many ups and downs. It's, it's head spinning. It's dizzying. It's worrisome, right? Inflation is out of control. Uh, you know, the, the gas prices are just one part of that. 
So you think about your short-term expenses and your long-term expenses. A lot of you are just trying to trying to get by paycheck to paycheck. Some of you have saved in the past. This period of time that we're living through reminds me a lot of 2008. And back in 2008, those who invested in gold saw some really significant gains and others simply lost their retirements. So gold and silver are tremendous investments. They provide a hedge against a weakening dollar. They, they work against inflation. They do things that normal stocks can't do, silver and gold does. So legacy precious metals is the name that I trust when investing in gold and silver. And I'd invite you to get a hold of them because they'll answer all your questions. They'll educate you on how it works, what you can start with, how this is such a good, safe, long-term play for your portfolio. So why don't you give them a call? Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. And don't waste another day waiting. Okay, Dan, so we know what's happened and what's going on. The central question for me is why? We've got a damn good thing going here in the United States in spite of and maybe even because of our past mistakes that from which we've grown, obstacles through which we've, you know, obstacles we've overcome, steps forward that we've made in every possible way. But those get thrown to the wayside. And we talk about, it's like this doubling down on, you know, this anti-racism push, which I don't know anyone that, I mean, there, I'm sure there are a few pro-racists in the world. They're part of that 2% of the assholes that you mentioned, mm. but, but this, this stuff that is so tribal, as you described it, this tribalism is chopping and dicing us into a million different genders, race, this notion of white rage, none of this is productive. None of it, I guess, unless you think these are real issues. So why, why is this infiltrating so many of our institutions and mainly the military? Sure. Uh, so let's start with what intersectionality is, right? Okay. The idea yeah. of intersectionality is to reduce everyone down to a bulleted list of their demographic features and then divide them amongst those based on how offended they should be. Right. That's, that's essentially what intersectionality is. Right. And the point of it is, uh, it takes me back to this, uh, this story I, I read in a book about a Roman Senator who was buying slaves from a foreign, uh, slaver. And <clears throat> once the guy would buy slaves from somebody, he would remove the leather collar that they wore and, uh, give them a smaller brand so they could be identified. And when, when the slaver was like, why would you do that? The Roman Senator said, well, if I left the collar on, they would look around and see how many more of them there are of us. Right. And then they would throw, they would overthrow us. And that's what intersectionality is. It, it is to turn us against each other in tribalistic fashion so that we don't understand what's actually being done to us on a day-to-day -day basis where 40% of your revenue that you earn is being taken from you and spent on weird shit like Ukraine and things like that or whatever else, right? There's so much, uh, the, the Pentagon just failed another audit. Uh, they haven't passed an audit since the 1990s and $2.2 .2 trillion is missing. That seems like a lot. Um, that's, that's a lot of money. 
yeah, it's and then we've spent twenty or so trillion over the last twenty years on on these foreign conflicts that have produced nothing. Uh, but when you think about why it's infiltrating our institutions, let's take it back a couple more years to this um, defund the police movement, right? Okay. Yeah. The real th this is the real question for me is how did we go from General Eisenhower, right, who warned against the military industrial complex but was a Republican, which, you know, is an interesting thing. How do we go from Eisenhower to General Milley? I, I think about the vaccine mandates and things like that, right? Um, <clears throat> it's clearly not based in science because we, we knew all this then and we definitely know it now, but you have to wonder what the purpose is. For the last few years, the left in this country has chipped away at every institution that protects us. Police, border patrol, the military, even masculinity itself, calling it intrinsically mm -hmm. toxic. James Cameron just said that testosterone is a toxin that men have to overcome. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, now they're using this division they're, they're creating to gerrymander the ranks of these institutions. Over the past two years, especially in these employment purges and policing and healthcare in the military are calculated towards gaining control of them to get rid of anybody who might think for themselves, anybody who might stand up to bad orders and fill these ranks with sycophants. Now you tell me, what the purpose of taking control of the military and police would be, right? I mean, the obvious answer is the obvious answer. I, some people are going to go, man, you're wearing a tinfoil hat, Dan. You say what? You know, to that, when people say this sounds like a massive conspiracy theory, but listen, this has happened in other places. We have seen this happen. God, our friends to the north in Canada, they had truckers who couldn't access their own money because they were protesting these vaccine mandates and mask mandates. Uh, um, this stuff can happen. It's happened in other places. So why not here? But, and so, you know, that's, that's always my answer. But for people who are looking at you right now and saying, you're telling us that the reason they want to, you know, take over the police and the military is so that this can become a military, a military state. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not entirely. Look, it's okay. The Hanlon's razor says there's no need to imply malice when mere incompetence will suffice. Right. Mm -hmm. So this idea, I, I don't believe that there's 10 dudes in long robes in a room somewhere, some kind of weird cabal controlling world events. That's nonsense. But I know how weak people behave when they're in power. They try to hold on to power as much as they can. I know how stupid people behave when they have a bad idea that they know is a bad idea, but they want to implement it. They have to censor everybody. They have to, to get rid of any kind of uh, 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 dissent. And the only way to do that, and the reason that these dystopian ideas for government like communism and socialism don't work is because you need 100% buy-in for them to work. And the only way to accomplish that is through authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Like when you see in Canada, these old ladies getting trampled by horses or getting pulled out of restaurants and thrown in jail because they had the temerity to go eat lunch. Or as you mentioned, have their bank accounts uh, frozen or seized because they donated money to truckers who, you know, just parked downtown. It's very bizarre. And if you don't think that shit's coming to America, you need to wake up. It's not about you, you don't have to. Well, first about the conspiracy theory thing. How many things that were quote-unquote conspiracy theories that would have gotten you banned from Twitter two years ago are now widely accepted facts? 
Just Good point. think about that for a moment. Yeah. Uh, but the other part of it is anytime anybody is trying to take away your ability to defend yourself and take away your ability to express yourself, that only we- leads in one direction. It doesn't matter what the intent is, right? It doesn't matter if they're, if they're like, I mean, essentially, I, I honestly believe that they're, they're just weak and stupid and they think that people are too dumb to take care of themselves. It's a nanny state situation. Yeah. So yeah. we have to take control of this to protect people. It's, it's. They're egomaniacs, right? They're megalomaniacs, and that's how they think. But it doesn't matter if their intent is to subjugate us or not because authoritarianism will ultimately subjugate regardless of intent. That's how it works. It's so amazing to me that we have given up freely so many of our rights that that certain people will just – they'd rather be quiet than risk – you know, getting blasted on Twitter. They'd rather just get their shot rather than challenging it. They'd rather just wear a mask, you know, and that you could say, Oh, so what? Wearing a mask, no big deal. Well, to me, it is a big deal and it's become even a bigger deal. (laughs) And you notice that these masks now are so commonly worn that anytime you see one of these uh, smash and grab robberies going on at an Apple store or wherever, these people are just covering their nose <laughs> in surgical masses. It's like you no longer need the ski mask because I'll just walk around in this surgical mask. You really can't tell who I am, and I'll bust into this store and I'll steal a bunch of stuff. I mean, th- these masks are so—they take away your your identity. They ta- and they and I think they make people miserable. I really do. Mm-hmm. I remember when the mandate was finally lifted, Dan, and I I was I traveled through the mask mandate. I traveled before and after. So the, the mask mandate on airlines gets dropped and slowly, but surely people start. Everyone was so much happier at the airport and on airplanes. People were talking to one another again. It wasn't because before it just felt like you were a sheep being loaded up into a, you know, and you were just, you were nobody. You were just following the rules. And for some people, maybe that's easy. I found it really depressing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's masks don't stop the spread of COVID, but they do stop the prosecution of criminals, oddly <laughs> enough. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, these this is this is really important, I think, for people to understand. And it's a I, I understand how some folks who are just trying to get on with their life can think this do not comply uh, ideology is just obtuse or you know, just like America, freedom, what, what about my freedoms, all the memes or, or categorizations you would see about that. I understand that it might look like that on the surface, but the predilection for people in power to consume more power and hold on to more power, right, is an effect of nature. And it's the, it's the same effect uh, that gravity has on a star, right? And the nuclear fission that's ha- or fusion rather that's happening that's pushing outward that's how a star becomes balanced right the 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 balance between uh, hydrogen atoms bonding to become helium atoms and then gravity holding it in together as one piece and your resistance you collectively saying no to things that don't make sense is extremely important just the 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 act of not complying with stupid orders is so important. And here's why <clears throat> in, uh, 
if you haven't read 1984, it's a pretty good book. Uh, hmm. If you read it right now, it may depress you a lot. But in the final chapter, uh, Orwell writes, in the end, the party would announce that two and two made five. And you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make a claim, that claim sooner or later because the logic of their position demanded it. Because the logic of their position isn't the reality or, or factual nature of their of their demands. It's that their demands are the facts, right? That's yeah. the problem. And that the, the only way to fight that is to say no collectively, yeah. right? Remember the, the disinformation governance board yes. that almost happened? Yes. People lost their shit for like yeah. three days and that, that department got shut down and that woman got fired. Yeah. That's your power as a yeah. collective community just to say no. That's all you have to do. You don't, they, we don't need to fight civil wars and all this stupid bullshit. All you have to do is instead of saying, well, it's just this and it's just this, saying, fuck you. I can't imagine leaving on a better note than that. And so we will leave it at that. Dan Holloway, you can find him. The, the, the podcasts are tremendous. The Citizen Podcast, Drinking Bros Podcast. Um, remind me your Twitter handle. Uh, it's just Dan Holloway. Okay. There yeah. you go. And if you can't spell that, well, can help you out. <laughs> thanks for being with us. I so appreciate you folks. Thanks for listening to Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave. Like he just said, just say no, just say screw it. He says it so much better than I do, but I just can't. I've got kids. Be brave and do good. See you next time. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone? You know, a great question. And I think the, the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much a paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, the, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest, but once you take that first step, the second step is easier and then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What What is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. 
And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. We, even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together, right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to 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 just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is. In any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life, it always seems like that first hurdle is is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who who are they going to talk to? Who what what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're you're going to speak with one of our customer representatives. And their job is not to sell you metals, right? We have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy. And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have, and then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with, and I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call. Even easier, go check out their their guide it's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get get the ball rolling, get, get started, do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.